0: Listening to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. I had to count to be sure. I think I didn't miss any, but we're up to about 17 Marvel movies right now. Uh, my guest today is responsible for my favorite of them so far, though. Thor Ragnarok is director Taika Waititi Unbridled, playing in the massive sandbox of a cinematic universe after honing his voice and his craft with films like Eagle vs. Shark, What We Do in the Shadows, and Hunt for the Wilder People. So let's talk to him about it is right here and we're very happy he's on the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. We may as well talk about it seeing I'm here. Yeah, I mean that's uh, we should talk about some other stuff actually.
1: Let's hey, just talk about, have to everything be about but Thor. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk about, I mean, I'm, you got me here.
0: Let's um, talk about that shirtless scene. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> we'll, the get scene. we'll get to we'll that. We'll get
0: to that. <laughs> I want to start, uh people may not be aware. You're an Academy Award nominee. Your short film uh Academy Two Cars. Award
1: loser. Let's put it like
0: that. Okay. Let's Let's call it what it is. Let's cut cut to the chase on it.
1: And if you don't win, you're a loser. (laughs) So I'm an Academy
0: Award losing director from New Zealand. Well, look, you you dozed off during the ceremony anyway, so it was not no big deal. Oh, double loser. (laughs) (laughs) Your short film, Two Cars, One Night, which I watched uh, last night, uh, was nominated in 2004. So that experience of getting an Oscar nomination earlier in your career, what was that like for you?
1: Um. I mean was, I was very flattered but also I, I wasn't really planning on being a filmmaker so once that happened um I was I was encouraged by a lot of people and the pressure was on to really become a filmmaker so I, I, it was like, more like a an arranged marriage really yeah. um I sort of felt forced into it and um luckily yeah. I haven't regretted it but yeah it was yeah it was um it was just something that I just made that short film just to experience making a film. And Mm -hmm. then um, the next thing I knew, you know, everyone was calling me a filmmaker. I didn't know the first thing about making films. So I had to learn pretty quick.
0: Yeah, that leads me to my next question. You went to drama school, I think.
1: Uh, Yeah, nah. I actually went to university (laughs) and did uh, a theater studies course. Theater studies, yeah. Theater studies, yeah. I didn't didn't study film. Um, And that was... That, that, that degree has probably been of no use whatsoever in my life. But my mom is proud.
0: I've got I've got a film degree and a journalism degree. I think those might be the two most useless. I stuff. think
1: most people go, go to university just to make their parents happy.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, that's a big part of the equation.
1: Yeah. Here's how I'm going to make my parents happy. By racking up thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of debt that's going to take me 15 <laughs> years to pay off.
0: Well, they know you'll 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 you know learn on the streets how you're going to figure out how to pay off that debt. Well, you also
1: learn about tax and stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, once you enter the real world, why don't they teach tax at school? Why don't they just before you leave high school, they say, "By the way, <laughs> you need to learn about tax because it's going to come back to bite you, and you're going to get audited one day."
0: Mm-hmm. They don't teach you that. No, they don't. You're right. They should. They should teach that in art school. In fact, because hey, if anyone's oblivious a- to that, it's oh, it's artists. artists. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I wanted to ask just since you didn't go to school for film per se like what like how did you learn the craft was it just through making Uh, your short films it was through
1: watching actually Um, so I was an actor for a long time before I started making film and I think I learned I think my film school really was watching movies and watching people make movies and then eventually making making some short films and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. I learned a lot doing that but, um, yeah, I've learned most of my stuff just being on set, which I think is a great environment. Yeah. Is that, this is the best film school, is being yeah. on set.
0: What were some of, the, like, you know, your inspirations, I guess, when you started watching films and figuring out how to make them by observing?
1: Um, I I mean, I, I, I had a very eclectic um, mix of films sort of. Inspired me over the years, but um, films I always go back to uh, films like *The Graduate*, *Badlands*, um, uh, Hal Ashby's films. Mm. um, So great, yeah, American um, cinema of the seventies for sure, and Korean cinema. um, I really love Korean films. Sort of just I could take a little bit from everywhere, really. Mm -hmm. Um, Not so
0: much the French.
1: Weirdly, <laughs> what not drew so you to much. Hal
0: Ashby? That's interesting. Um,
1: what I love about him is he doesn't really have a um, distinct style. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't really, you can't really find. I mean, other than his cameos, or you know, and, and maybe some of the cutting style. There's not a, a really a, a a through line or a link in style between any of those films, or like the difference between Harold and Maud and Coming Home or, you know, The Last Detail and um, and being there. They were all so, vastly different. And, um, you know, and some of the comedies and some of the straight-up dramas. And, uh, yeah, I just really love his... I just love that mix, you know, where he, he never felt like he was repeating himself.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's fascinating, too, for being an editor first and yeah, then transitioning yeah. to filmmaking. Was there a particular uh, aspect of the trade, like editing cinematography, that, that you gravitate toward most?
1: Hmm... No, not 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 so much now. Um, you know, I, th- I used to think I was really into writing, but now I've realised how lonely that is. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I feel like I like editing, but usually only when I'm editing. Um, I don't usually like being in a room with someone for six months. Mm. So you feel like you just want to kill them. Um, yeah, I like. I mean, I, I mean, maybe the camera department. because like, you know, I work so closely with them, and that sort of. Yeah, that feels like the area that um, that I focus on the most, mm-hmm. and I mean, and, and 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 the art department. You know, I really love seeing sets being created and the yeah, and, and all the
0: details. Well, that was very crucial on the new movie, which I'm going to get to in just one second. But before I do, I did want to talk briefly about Moana, which you uh, worked on early drafts of, and then walked away to work on movies in New Zealand. Uh, was that hard for you to walk away from?
1: No that situation. No, it was very easy to walk away because I wasn't directing it. Mm-hmm. And just as a as a writer on a film like that um though you know then those guys were great and it was a it was it was a really cool experience but I didn't feel like it was going to do much for me and and my projects or my creativity just by being someone's writer, mm-hmm. you know. Um and yeah, when I realised that because those films yeah, they take four four years or so to make four or five years and just the prospect of working on one project for five years as a writer um, just did not appeal to me mm-hmm. and oh, yeah and so I went off and made What We Do in the Shadows and, and Hunt for the Will of People and shot Thor in that time in the time that it took for them to finish that film wow so I feel like that was a good move
0: yeah. <laughs> definitely <laughs> density wise uh, did you uh, you know take anything from the experience that you've applied going forward? Anything that you learned on it that kind of sets you up?
1: Mm, no, I mean oh, yeah. The,
0: actually, the one the one
1: one of the good things about the um, the writing process on on the Disney slash Pixar films is really the kind of brain trust mm. um, story room sessions that they have, and you know they'll they'll take the project everyone will read it and they'll invite all the directors from the past films and all the writers from the other films and everyone kind of comes up and all the producers and it's just like a kind of massive round table with you know 30, 40 people and it's a free for all and you know really everyone just is there to tear it apart and, and make the best story possible and hopefully by the end of that day or two days that they concentrate on, on the story you know you'll have a, a new structure and you'll have you know, really clear ideas about characters and, and, and how to move forward and I think that's really useful i love I love it when people get together and and tear something apart because it's 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 yeah when people are very complimentary and they don't have any criticism it's um it gets you get a bit complacent and I think you can get too comfortable in your ideas mm. and then you start thinking that you're you know, you're a genius and every, every idea that you come up with is amazing. you need people to put you in your place mm
0: hmm Well, uh, you've come back to Disney to work on Thor here, and so uh, what did you feel? I guess was, if anything, lacking in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that you could put in it. Uh, You know, what what uh, did you want to contribute? What what got you excited that you were the guy to put this movie out there?
1: It wasn't really um, that I felt they were lacking anything because you know after Guardians had come out, you know, I realized, oh yeah. There's definitely room for jokes in this in this uh, MCU. For me, coming into it, I think selfishly, I just wanted some, you know, a, a nice challenge and something that would break me out of my comfort zone. And I just, um, I just, I was editing Hunt for the of People, so I'd made four films, and was starting to think, man, the next thing I do, am I just going to be repeating myself? You know, is it going to be just another? You know, am I destined to just keep doing these smaller films? And that would be fine. But when the opportunity came to do something really big and something that would be a huge challenge, that to me was a perfect opportunity to learn to keep learning about film and I've you know and as a result I've obviously I've learned a huge amount doing this film um, and with Thor with that franchise, I felt like that was the one franchise that had the most potential to be shaped into something new, like I couldn't come in and do you know, the Third Guardians film because it's so well um, shaped and it has its own personality and its own voice and that's all James. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, some similar thing with, you know, if I was to come in and try and do Captain America, it's very distinctly the Russo's domain and I just I would feel very strange coming into into those franchises mm-hmm. and trying to put my mark on it. And they don't need someone to put their mark on, on those things. They've you know, they're great they're great as they are. The Thor one had the most potential because it just I felt it it probably didn't quite know itself as as well as the other franchises knew themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't quite a distinct voice there yet, and mm-hmm. I felt like okay, well, this is my opportunity to come in, and this is something I could probably bring a lot of myself to and you know, and my voice and my style to, um, because it's you know, it hasn't got a really chiseled shape yet and Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 I think I was right you know it's like and and well I was lucky because um and Taylor had done so much groundwork in laying the foundations for the world and the character and everything that I could come in and every all of that that establishment of you
0: don't have to explain anything no it's
1: all done and it's one of the hardest um it's one of the hardest stories to establish because of all the crazy names and the mm-hmm. Rainbow Bridge, the Bifrost, and all of the yeah you know, the names of the characters. So I was very lucky in that that had all been done for me, mm-hmm. and I could just kind of come in, pick up the ball, and run with it. Um, so yeah, so I totally have to acknowledge, you know, the fact that it was a it was quite an easy. Um, an easy thing to walk into.
0: Yeah, is that what the process was? They brought you in and said, "We'd like you to work on something." What are you interested in doing? And you you came it, to that. It was or? a mix. It was a
1: mix. They they wanted to do something fun and they wanted to make a um, a radical departure from the first two films. They, yeah, and they so you were that. brought
0: in specifically for Thor, not just generally. Just and then for which Thor. one of these do you want? No, no, okay. no, I
1: was I was just brought in just to talk about Thor, and I had always wanted to work with Chris. Um, we were mates. We knew each other before, and. I've always been a big admirer of his, and but mainly of of his um, his comedy. I, was, yeah. you know, so he, I think he's a very funny guy, and so the opportunity to work with him was there. And Marvel knew that they, you know they they wanted to um, to focus on that and to bring that out because they had realized just how funny he is, and it's something that they hadn't really tapped into. Mm-hmm. And so they saw an opportunity to do that. Chris was feeling like his the older version of Thor was becoming a bit too familiar, and he wanted to try something new. And so the ideas of 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 cutting his hair and making him a little more colloquial and all that stuff that was already the seeds of that were already germinating. And when I came in, um, you know, I, I fully supported that and said, "Yeah, we should make him more fun." You know, the, the movie's called Thor; he's got to be the best character. And you know, I grew up with watching Kurt Russell movies and. You know, he's one of my favourite heroic actors. You mm-hmm. know, and I remember like just feeling very safe in his hands mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I was watching movies and thinking, "Yeah, this is a hero. This is a guy." Sometimes he's a bit bumbling and he's really funny, but he's also he's like a great hero who you want to you want to follow around. Same with Bruce Willis. You know, he, mm-hmm. he was one of those guys for me growing up, and I felt like Chris really had had that kind of quality about him. Um, And, yeah, it was really about pulling that out and and pushing that to the front and saying, like, yeah, here's a guy who looks incredible, you know. He's charming and he's funny and you want to follow him on on an adventure and that's just Chris, you know. (laughs) So why don't we, like, basically transplant that, those qualities, onto Thor? Mm -hmm. And um, and so, yeah, as a result, he's kind of playing the – the most Chris version of Thor there is.
0: <laughs> I do feel like I could see him in like a remake of Tango and cash or something like that. Like you're right. I've been, I've been joking about doing <laughs> Tango and cash. Actually. Um, for, uh, what was the, con- just the initial connection though, who brought you in to the Marvel?
1: Brad Winderbaum, who's the EP on the film. He got in touch through my agent and I guess they were talking to maybe three, three directors or, you know, three or four directors at the time. And I guess we all went and pitched on, on the um on really on a story that no one kind of had any idea what it was at the time. It, you know, there was a script but they were trying to move away from that and try some new things. Um Yeah, the the so when I pitched it was more like this is the kind of tone I think the film should be because there was no real story for me to, to pitch. It was mm-hmm. just like oh, yeah, this could happen, that could happen, but really this is the kind of film which should be It'd have this tone it should have jokes and um, you know it should have some you know some weight to it where it needs and my main thing really was just color as i just saying uh, it's got mm-hmm. a, you know i've grew, grew up with marvel comics and you know the thing about the splash pages and all those things, in the 70s and the 80s This just it was just color it's mm-hmm. bold and you know and vibrant and really strong lines and then especially looking at the kirby art that was stuff that i felt like would make a it would make a statement and it would and it was also i feel like that departure they were looking for from you know from the the tone and the palette of thor 1 and 2
0: are you looking at my questions, man? Because you're like anticipating what I'm gonna ask. <laughs> uh, I was gonna talk about I'm Kirby. The reflection of your eyes, <laughs> thing and, and, and the Jack Kirby stuff. It really stands out, and I often ask, uh, uh, you know, directors of comic book films like, "What were the inspirations? Visually, were there any specific frames from books that you wanted to emulate or anything like that?" And with this one, it's pretty clear that the Kirby stuff is front and center. So I wanted you to just, can you ex- expand yeah. on that a little more?
1: Yeah, yeah. We wanted to, and, and that was something that um, I know that pro- I think there'd been a little, a couple of Kirby references. And, and guardians mm-hmm. that James had used um, some celestials and stuff but I feel and Kevin had said you know we, we haven't really had the opportunity to re- to run straight into Kirby's art and use it as a bold um, um, inspiration for the for the design of, of any film yet and I'd always loved Kirby's art and I'd love just the really the line and the contours and um, and and his you know, even the, his, I guess his costumes um yeah So those were the things that really stood out to me and made me feel like this is this is the way to kind of push the film into that kind of Flash Gordon sort of territory where it's like vivid and in your face and unapologetic mm-hmm. in, in terms of it's just like this is a comic book that happens to be moving mm-hmm. um, that that was really the aim for me was to try and make something as close to reading an old comic book as possible yeah. and um, and and Marvel were fully into it and fully supportive. And one of the hardest things with with transferring that Kirby art from the page into a um, into a live action environment was that there's so much going on when you have it in a you know in, in live action. It's actually it's almost too much for the human eye to, to take in <laughs> because once it's moving it's like so many different things are going on and it's very hard to kind of pick out characters from those backgrounds yeah so we had to work quite hard on figuring out it's like a magic eye poster yeah yeah and we had to pull characters away from walls and away from the backgrounds because we had to soften that stuff and 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 actually and we had to make bigger block colors in the backgrounds so that people could stand out rather than I think what people's first instinct with Kirby's art is just like, oh, any old colour just anywhere and just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and but it's not really like that when you look at his stuff.
0: Beyond just like aesthetically, like uh those colors and this color palette you ended up with, did that mean anything to you thematically with the story you wanted to tell? Um No, I think it was more just I wanted to um
1: I just sort of wanted to shock the human eye mm. and you know especially when going to Sakaar. you know, um Asgard had already been established as a very golden yeah. um you know world and and once we got to Sakaar, everything changed, including the music you know that's when um mother's bows um sort of synth music started coming through. he'd done the score for everything and big orchestral pieces which. And the traditional things, which was a sort of upfront in the film, mm-hmm. but then it was more when um, when when Thor arrives on Sakaar that the, the entire music changes and 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 the palette really takes off, and that for us was just a perfect way of 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 um, celebrating all the stuff from the comics, but also um, just showing Thor in a, in a world that neither he or any audience had ever been in before as well and we were pulling Jeff Goldblum as well I mean it's the craziest I think of all of the alien planets that um, yeah. Yeah, that I've seen
0: in these movies yeah and speaking of music it's it's kind of nice that they loosened the uh, whatever was going on with Led Zeppelin songs forever <laughs> oh <laughs> and yeah, now yeah you can use them in commercials and movies
1: and more And it. <laughs> yeah well that Led Zeppelin song was in I made a sizzle reel for my pitch and that um, I put that song in as part of that and right from that moment they really loved the song and and even you know as soon as i got the job you know they say well look why don't we start exploring um you know what it would take to get that song just in case we want to use it for the film and um so it was there right from the beginning for the last two years that thing has kind of been drifting around us
0: it's an immigrant song by the way everyone you'll see it first seen and it's badass uh, also, the you know you assembled like a delicious kind of array of characters here. Obviously, our players. I mean, like Jeff Goldblum, Kate Blanchett, Tessa Thompson. Uh, did you write with them in mind? Because uh, they they're, they just fit the characters like a glove. You know, so it just
1: yeah. When we were storylining, we didn't we didn't really know that um, that we'd cast Tessa. Um, she's so awesome. She's amazing. That character. She's so- amazing. Um, sort of the. The female Han Solo, yeah. or maybe Han Solo is a male Valkyrie. <laughs> that's it. Um, so yeah, so you know we hadn't really thought of her. Kate was already um, in the works, and you know when I first came in, they were already talking about her, and I agreed. And I said, yeah, we should just go, and, and that's. I went and talked to her and tried to convince her to do it, um, and that worked. And then she has this
0: look on her face in the film where it just looks like she's having a blast.
1: Yeah, it looks like she's having a blast, but also it, it, there's a sort of... Um, I feel like she's so relaxed in the film because much like when Hela returns to Asgard and you know, and, and does her first sort of bold thing there, mm-hmm. um, it's like, yeah, I've seen everything, I've done everything. This is nothing to me. You know? This is like easy. This is a walk in the park for me, um, which makes it very enjoyable, you know, And yeah. and I feel like... That's sort of what I I got from Kate as well. It's like, you know, what more can I do? Yeah, I'm like, right. You know, I've won a couple of Oscars. And I'm going to come in and do this superhero movie with you guys. I got this, this is this is just fun. <laughs> this is just fun for me. Um, so yeah, so yeah, and then, and then Goldblum was our first choice for for Grandmaster. So I think in the script um, and the, the storylining, definitely that's who we were thinking of. And um, and then yeah, Eric and. Um, Eric, you tried i guess—try to capture how he might speak, yeah. In the, when it came to the script, but it became pretty apparent that Jeff was pretty much just going to do his own thing. And um, <laughs> you kind of want—you that you, you do want that, you know. And it's almost—it's like, yeah. You know, how do you write? You know, it's like, I don't know how. How do you write you for write someone Jeff. like Jeff Goldblum? I literally—I you know?
0: think I tweeted something like that. I was like, you could not write Jeff Goldblum as a character. Like, just yeah. if that person—you wanted that person in a movie, and he didn't exist in real life. You wouldn't be able to write that person yeah he's, yeah he's a treasure yeah I just I don't even have a question here I just wrote Cork <laughs> this is the character that you play yes, it's just a statement it's um, awesome and oh, must have you. been a blast and a lot a huge part of the comedy comes from that and he's, he's such an endearing character too you know he's so, there's such a warm soul to him uh, what was it like kind of creating that character and then performing it? Um, there, there was a huge amount of fun
1: for me because I, I put myself in all my movies as a lot of people know now um and this opportunity just arose because yeah, you know, I knew I was going to try and find something small to do in the film, but I only imagine it would be yeah. You know, I thought maybe i will just be that guy who Jeff melts in the chair, you know, just <laughs> something kind of small and what you know, tiny little cameo. Um, that was brutal, by the way. There's an extended uh, version of that <laughs> really? scene, yeah, which we're going to try and release, which awesome. is a big long conversation before he does that. It's hilarious. Um, in fact, there were probably a few. Ex- quite extended scenes involving <laughs> Jeff um, as you can imagine but then Korg came up and it was just he was a, again it was a small character that was sort of just laying you know laying down what Sakaar was like for Thor in the first time they met um and I love characters like that because I love playing characters who just comment on things or just talk or just sort of (laughs) say random things we're going to get on
0: the ship yeah we're going to get on the ship
1: (laughs) just stuff that doesn't it's it's like I like yeah I love playing characters who potentially don't even need to be in the movie but you know they just add a little bit of texture and a bit of flavour totally Um, and that whole voice just came out about from just wanting to do like a really colloquial New Zealand accent and feeling like, oh, no one's heard this in these movies before. No. And it's just so strange. And he's such a gentle character. There's so many crazy elements in this film, you know, like Giant Wolf a Zombie Army, you know, Halla, the Hulk, Thor, you know, Valkyrie and Jeff Goldblum and all these two, and Sakara itself. It's sometimes when when an audience is, is being Bashed in the face with all of these crazy things. It's nice to just check in with someone who's gentle <laughs> and he just wants to look after you. Yeah, and and he's a game for anything. Yeah, like, yeah he's game for anything, do? and 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 he is one of the very few characters who doesn't want anything from Thor. Yeah, if you look at it, like mm-hmm. everyone is trying to exploit him or imprison him or you know or eat him or kill him. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's um he's just a guy who's like oh, I'm just happy to hang out with
0: you, man. <laughs> and then. Uh before we close out here, I have to talk to you about Bubbles. Uh, this was famously one of the favorite, like, unmade screenplays on the blacklist. It's mm-hmm. about, uh, ostensibly, Michael Jackson's life through the lies of his chimpan- chimpanzee Bubbles, although I've read that you, you're you not concerned with making it about Michael Jackson's life. You, you kind of yeah. want it to be this story about the chimp, I guess. And yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. and I'm really um, I'm stoked to be involved in that because that's... It's almost like a great antidote from what I've been doing for two years. Um, even though this would be, yeah, three times longer. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's a stop motion. The process, motion, yeah. The process yeah. yeah, It's stop motion, and and it's just the, the subject is amazing to me. The idea of just of looking at the life of one of my huge heroes um, through the eyes of one of his pets, and there's just something <laughs> so strange about that. And it's very, I think, aligns. Very much with a lot of my other work, where it's uh, you know we often look at the the adult world through the eyes of kids, and this is kind of a similar theme, really. Yeah, Um, just seeing the craziness of this world, where you know the the, his um, his master, I guess, is um, is as much a prisoner or is living in a cage just as much as bubbles bubbles is. and you know just these and just seeing the parallels between these two um these two characters and i'm, I'm just keen kind on of exploring that side of it and
0: that reminds me of my favorite michael jackson music video leave, leave me alone
1: yeah yeah the, right. uh, the
0: animation and it's you know it's all about his tabloid yeah situations right. and stuff so and you're working with starburns industries which yep. uh Anomalisa. Did Anomalisa, one of my favorite movies that year um it almost seems like in general this project is more uh not challenging but uh risky whatever than even something like thor i mean it's yeah this is and and, and you know and part
1: of the reason i did thor was that it was going to be a challenge and also for me it seemed like the least expected thing um you know it was one of the uh, i surprised myself by doing thor and now i feel like oh i'm surprising myself and shocking my you know shocking my kind of creative muscles mm-hmm. again by entering into something as challenging as a stop motion about Michael Jackson's chimpanzee.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, uh, absolutely. And so I feel like every every project I want to do should be a sort of just you know I just want my career to kind of zigzag, you mm-hmm. know, um, cross in but in and out of different scale projects, different mediums, different um, yeah, different formats, and, and and that's how I think it'll I will be able to keep it interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, everyone should go see Thor Ragnarok this weekend. It's Again, I'm going to prove it to him. There's my top 17 list of Marvel movies. Thor Ragnarok on top.
1: Damn! It's my favorite one. It's amazing.
0: Go check it out. I loved it. Maybe you will. And, uh, Taiki Waititi, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. So much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer, like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. And then I went on a journey of self discovery. I love you Where are we?
1: You have no idea Hello, the goddess of death has invaded Asgard Oh, I've missed this And you and I had
0: a fight recently Did I win? No, I won easily. Doesn't sound right. Oh, no, that's true. Asgard is dead. And it'll be reborn in my image. I thought you'd be glad to see me. I need to stop her here and now. To prevent Ragnarok, the end of everything. So they're putting together a team. Like the old days. Surprise. This will be such fun.
1: Hello. Fight. He's a fighter.
0: Here we go. I'm not a queen or a monster. I'm the goddess of death. What
1: were you the god of again? We're the same, you and I. Just a couple of hot-headed
0: fools. Yeah, same. Hawk like fire, do hmm. I like water? Oh, well, kinda of both like fire. But hawk like raging fire, Thor like smoldering fire. <laughs>